Hello all, and welcome to this episode of NUMA. I'm your host, Daniel Finnerin, and I'm so glad that you've decided to join me today. Tell me, before we delve too deeply into today's theme, what is your relationship with the morning? Be unbashful, be honest. You can be straight with me. Are you, or are you most decidedly not a morning person? Are you a friend to the morning? A foe? Or are you perhaps somewhere in between? Neutral toward that on which everyone else seems to have such a strong opinion? In what manner, with what sort of disposition do you rise to greet the day? Do you receive it amiably, warmly, affectionately, with the excitement, perhaps, of a happy child, a vigorous youngster to whom each new dawn, lifted up by threads of gold and strings of saffron, arrives as though it were his first? Or, if you categorize yourself as something less than a morning person, does the sunlight offend you? Its rays, do they filter through your foggy window like a stream of uninvited guests? Do you cringe at their arrival, for which your sleep-encrusted eyes are unprepared to open their heavy lids? Does the morning light cause you to recoil, to retreat beneath your blankets, to seek refuge in their downy comfort, and to spurn the splendor that is the coming day? The goal for this episode is to convert the latter, the professed enemy of the morning, into its cheerful ally, its faithful worshiper, and its devoted friend. The goal is to learn to love the morning, to celebrate the morning, which is in the words of Henry David Thoreau, the most memorable season of the day. Henry David Thoreau, like his fellow New England transcendentalist, Ralph Waldo Emerson, was an American original in the truest and best sense. Politically an anarchist, poetically a naturalist, temperamentally an eccentric, self-reliant loner, he decided, on the 4th of July, 1845, to detach himself from civilization and settle on the banks of Walden Pond. A few years prior, Emerson, 
who enjoyed greater financial security as a result of his wildly popular lectures, and who was blessed not only with the captivating eloquence of a New Age mystic, but with a keen eye for real estate investment opportunities in his home state of Massachusetts, purchased more than a dozen acres of land along the quiet, limpid pond's northern brim. It was there, on a spot reserved to him by his dearest friend, that Thoreau erected his thrifty little cottage, for which, as he proudly discloses in an itemized list of materials purchased and gathered from a local retailer, he paid a meager $28.12. Just think about how far that sum might get you today. This cottage, in which Thoreau lived for precisely two years, two months, and two days, has, in many ways, become emblematic of America. An austere little house nestled in the woods, a hand-built abode in the Edenic depths of New England, in which we all imagine ourselves once to have lived. We are, at heart, a country of rugged individuals, of liberty-loving oddballs cut from the same manly cloth as Thoreau. We almost feel ourselves to have grown up with him there, scornful of dependence and free to exercise our own unique, unpredictable will. I think we are, in part, his spiritual roommates, and Walden Pond is our Pyrian Spring. It was his original intention, upon settling at Walden, to write his first book, A Week on the Concord and Merrimack Rivers. He accomplished that task, producing a fine work in its own right, before proceeding on to an even more famous and enduring piece of American literature, Walden. You might be asking yourself, what has this short biographical sketch of one of America's most interesting men to do with becoming a morning person? As it happens, Thoreau was very much a morning person himself, who has a lot to say about becoming one, if you aren't already. He calls morning, the awakening hour, the most memorable season of the day. Don't you just love the way in which Thoreau phrases things? What a fine use of our English language. If I'm not mistaken, I think that would make morning the springtime of the day, the part of the year during which life, the fullness of life, 
is stirred by the happy prospect of impending warmth. When dormant hope, chilled by the long winter, is gently caressed and aroused. When giddy spirits shake off their sleep and are awakened to renewed vitality. And when the richness of verdant life is induced, at long last, to unfold, grow, and blossom again. Morning is, indeed, the most memorable season of the day. Every morning to Thoreau, to us, is a cheerful invitation extended by the boundless grace of nature. Are we so impolite as to reject her tender call, to ignore that of which we're the esteemed recipients? Thoreau declares himself as sincere a worshipper of Aurora as the Greeks. Aurora, or Eos, is the goddess of the dawn. She's the dazzling herald of mighty Helios, the sun god before whose fiery chariot she streaks across the newborn, unlit sky. In elegant threads of saffron, golden, lambent, purple, and blue, she stands attired, while she bears the tidings of the sun's impending climb. Morning, says Thoreau, brings back the heroic ages. With this, I tend to agree. The music that the sweet morning air resonates with, the chatter of birds and the hum of insects that are its treble, the revel of roosters and the lowing of cows that are its bass, affect us as much now as they did when Grecian heroes serried and camped outside the walls of Troy. The morning air is like Homer's Requiem itself an Iliad and Odyssey in the ear, singing its own wrath and wanderings. Listen closely, and you can almost hear Achilles pout and Odysseus dream. Here I quote Thoreau at length. Little is to be expected of that day, if it can be called a day, to which we are not awakened by our genius, but by the mechanical nudging of some servitor, are not awakened by our newly acquired force and aspirations from within, accompanied by the undulations of celestial music instead of factory bells, and a fragrance filling the air to a higher life than we fell asleep from. And thus the darkness bear its fruit and prove itself to be good no less than the light. 
Wow. We must be awakened by our genius. A genius, mind you, of which we all have some definite share. And not by the artificial, empty, faint clamors of the town. Our newly acquired force, restored to us by proper and healthful sleep, our aspirations to greatness with which all the night until the day our hopeful dreams are filled, the undulations of celestial music with which our ears ring, the fragrance of nature that delights the untouched tongue. These combine to raise us up to a higher life than that from which we departed when last our heads met their pillows. This is a call to greatness to enter the new-sprung world a better person than you left it last night. This power is not exclusive to any one person. We're all capable of being an improved version, in some instances a vastly improved version, of what we were just seven or nine brief hours ago. Why can we not be better? What is our excuse, our barrier, our reason? Is our own improvement not entirely up to us? Thoreau goes on. That man who does not believe that each day contains an earlier, more sacred and auroral hour than he has yet profaned, has despaired of life and is pursuing a descending and darkening way. After a partial cessation of his sensuous life while asleep, the soul of man is reinvigorated each day, and his genius tries again what noble life it can make. It is an end toward which one's genius is forever striving the ennoblement of its soul. Tell me, what noble life can you make? How can you approach your day to make it worthwhile, to make it worth living, to make it as memorable as the season of the morning? Again, quoting Thoreau, all memorable events transpire in morning time and in a morning atmosphere. The Vedas say, all intelligences awake with the morning. Poetry and art, and the fairest and most memorable of the actions of men, date from such an hour. All poets and heroes, like Agamemnon and Achilles, are the children of Aurora, and emit their music at sunrise. Begin your day with that thought, and how drastically your perspective will change. No longer will morning be a time of whose burden you wish to be relieved. It will be, rather, a time of opportunity and great achievement, of 
heroic struggle and supreme conquest of life and evermore life. Thoreau tells us that to him whose elastic and vigorous thoughts keep pace with the sun, the day is a perpetual morning. That's right. The day should be a perpetual morning, brimming all the while with ideas, actions, and reflections forever lively, fresh, and new. It should, from its first hour till its last, be a source of wonder, expectation, excitement, stimulation, and glee. Each day should be lived not as though it were your last, but as though it were a perpetual morning. It matters not what the clocks say or the attitudes and labors of men. Morning is when I am awake, and there is a dawn in me. A dawn in me. An aurora inside. A fire deeply set. That's the flame we want lit in our souls. Yet how few of us enkindle that eternal dawn, that inextinguishable flame that flickers within. How few of us cultivate and preserve that immortal light. For most of us, it's left neglected and dark, damp and unattended. So many of us go about our days in a partial slumber, like Somnambulators, sleepwalkers, bewitched by a soporific spell. What we fail to realize is that, as Thoreau says, to be awake is to be alive. That seems obvious enough. And yet, he laments the fact that I have never yet met a man who was quite awake. Think about that for a minute. He never met a man who was quite awake. Are you awake? I mean, truly awake. Are you awake as you go about your day? Are you fully alive to the strangeness and the beauty of the world around you? Are you present to the people with whom you interact, to the husband, wife, or child whom you love? By extension, Thoreau means to say that he's never yet met a man who was quite alive. Thoreau ends this passage from Walden with the following memorable piece of advice. We must learn to reawaken and keep ourselves awake, not by mechanical aids, 
but by an infinite expectation of the dawn. That's right. An infinite expectation of the dawn. A limitless expectation of freshness, promise, hope, perennial goodness, and everlasting life. Even in our soundest sleep, these things will not forsake us. Finally, Thoreau concludes, I know of no more encouraging fact than the unquestionable ability of man to elevate his life by a conscious endeavor, to affect the quality of the day. That is the highest of arts. Every man is tasked to make his life, even in its details, worthy of the contemplation of his most elevated and critical hour. Again, I say, wow. The grand task on which we'll end this episode is this. To make your life, even in its smallest details, even in its most unremarkable parts, worthy of your contemplation, worthy of your regard, worthy of your recounting, worthy of your time, worthy of your life. I ask you, are you living such a life? Are you attempting to elevate yourself by a conscious endeavor? Or have you retired your exertions, put your efforts into a coma, and gone about your aimless way with the hope that, in your state of limp passivity, something will merely happen to you? I can assure you, things rarely just happen. In fact, they almost never do. To wait for their doing so is to wait in vain. Are you earnestly practicing that highest of arts to willfully and deliberately affect the quality of the day? Only you, after an honest assessment of yourself, can answer those questions. I leave you with this advice, for which I have Thoreau to thank. Come alive to the morning. Feel the golden dawn swell and rise within. And you might just begin to do so. You might just begin to live. And with that, we've come to the end of today's episode. I'd like to thank you for joining me and to wish you the best of luck as you go about your day. 
And if you'd be so kind, please consider subscribing to this channel and leaving on it a five-star rating or a positive review. And of course, share it amongst your friends. And with that, I bid you farewell from Numa.